Professor Dumbledore has granted me permission to start this little dueling club. And with that, welcome to the dueling club, learning one spell at a time. Hello, it is us, the members of the dueling club. I'm Al. And I'm Jen. Why did you say it that way? I don't know. Okay, whatever, we're going to go with it. Okay, you want to know why? Why? Because my brain went whoop. Because, (laughs) as you can see on my second monitor, I have Chicago Med playing quietly in my ear. And there's a big, massive event. And what happens is a child is brought in because he was trampled. Oh, no, we're not. No, I saw the kid and I looked away because I was like, nope. Yeah, no, it it, it kills me. So I I worked at a a mental hospital, Mm -hmm. essentially, um, an inpatient facility for five-year-olds to 17-year-olds. And I could not, I could not and would not work on the peds unit. I couldn't. I couldn't work with little kids. Oh, hello, I know, thank you, I was sad, and now you're with me. Okay, I'll open the door and go Okay, down, please, my habit. Good girl. Off you go. Into the wild blue yonder. Mm-hmm. Flying high into the sky. No. I don't know why. Anyway, anyway, so what happened was I could never, I could never work with the peds ever. Loved them when I saw them in the hallway. Mm-hmm. I went to a couple of of assist calls on the unit, so they knew who I was. But to work on the unit itself, I couldn't because you'd have to read about why they were there and it broke my heart like it broke my heart obviously for the teenagers as well because part of, it's, it's the history right so you have yeah to, you have to so it broke my heart for the teenagers as well but the teenagers could more accurately express what was going on with them whereas kids don't cope. yes whereas kids little kids don't have the vocabulary and the life skills to talk about it which then feeds into why it bothers me so much about how Harry was treated with the Dursleys because he was a little kid and he couldn't express it. And what we saw in the last chapter is him still not being able to express it, even though he's getting a hug from Molly and being embraced by Molly because he didn't have the tools or learn how to accurately express his feelings. So that hug took him by surprise because it made him feel everything. So he probably could disassociate himself just a little bit from what happened because it was just so extreme. But then when that affirmation of like like love and affection like and it's stuff okay, I'm here for you. Basically means all those things did happen and he has to confront them again because he hasn't had a moment to. He's had to no. talk about it. But talking about something isn't the same as actually ex- processing. Processing, it. accepting, processing, and learning to live with. Live with. Because it hasn't even been a day. It's been a couple of hours. So that that just set him over the edge. And he the wail of despair, like, I'm That doesn't come out, that wants to come yeah, out. Yeah, I'm surprised it didn't come out. I'm surprised it didn't come out, too. There you go. We already started our recap. 
by the way. That was essentially the recap of the previous episode. I was going to say... With a few things. I was going to say, we didn't even talk about anything, like, else. I know. Well, we talked about one thing that we decided to completely remove because it was too much. Yes. But, hey... We're all Harry Potter right now. Professional podcast. Professional podcast. That is also going to tell you to like, follow, subscribe, and comment Mm -hmm. on Podbean, where we're hosted, or on any of the other podcasting sites where you can listen to us. We're on Facebook. We have a Facebook group. We have Instagram. We have Twitter. Like, come on and join the fun. We know that there's a whole bunch of new people listening because we got a whole bunch of new likes on our Facebook page. Hello and welcome. We love you. True. Much love. Yes. So, random aside. Yes. No, no, you know what? Let's not even random aside. Let's just, let's just, let's just go. Let's do it. Okay. Episode 43 of season four. Something. Yeah. Harry Potter and the Goblet of Fire. And we're on the last chapter. Which it is called like... The Beginning. This is the beginning. Of the oh. end. No, different thing. I'm just adding of the end. Because yeah. of the end of the book. We weren't on the same page there. No, we weren't, but okay. I made it something else. Okay. That was better. Um, <laughs> oh, thanks. <laughs> so, one month later. Oh, well, okay. Well, you and I were actually talking about this chapter before we started recording. Mm-hmm. And I said, my heart broke mm-hmm. just reading this. So... I'll I'll read the first couple of lines, essentially. Mm -hmm. When he looked back, even a month later, Harry found he had only scattered memories of the next few days, which to me makes sense because he went through a very traumatic event and his brain is trying to protect him from it and um, also start the processing of it. So that's why it's taken him, like, you know, it says that it's been a month and he only remembers a few days at a time mm-hmm. um it's as though he had been through too much it's actually says it, too much to take in anymore um but he does get to meet with the diggeries the following morning and I, this is the part that broke me they do not blame him for what had happened on the contrary <laughs> both of them thanked him for returning cedric's body to them mr mr diggory sobbed through most of the interview Mrs. Diggory's grief seemed to be beyond tears. Um, he suffered very little then, she said, when Harry had told her how Cedric had died. And after all, Amos, he died just when he'd won the tournament. He must have been happy. Don't do it. I'm literally on the verge of tears right now. Because it's like... her, Their son was at school their son was safe at school yes he was in the triwizard tournament that is known to be unsafe uh for everyone participating and hogwarts is a little unsafe from time to time um you know i wonder what a peaceful hogwarts is like i don't know because we get to see it only when harry is there yeah the harbinger of doom yes and boy of chaos harry potter (laughs) yes the boy who lived to spread chaos. Yes. Um, but he was supposed to be safe at school. He was a Triwizard Champion. And he was in first place with Harry. Like, tied for first. 
and he had won and everybody was so excited and then like they literally saw him before he competed well, this, is what, this is what i said before we started where i was like his father and everyone who supported him saw him not an hour ago and he was you know vivacious on, on, and- on, on par to win the tri-wizard tournament and then the next time they see him, he's gone. He's dead. His yes. his his body is all there that for, remains. Yeah. And that's why I said as well in the movie, like the actor who played his father had to experience some so, ridiculous loss, someone very close to him, because to channel that so and to accurately, howl yeah, the, the with grief, the wail of despair. The one that Harry suppressed came out of Amos Diggory in the movie. Yes. I'm just saying. Yes. Um, and Harry tries to give them the the winnings of the tournament. And they're like, nope, you take it. Nope, can't have it. It's yours. Can't I, keep it. Do you, I think the reason why Cedric's mother wouldn't take it, I think it's her. She's the one who declines. Um, yes, she is. And it's because, like... That, that in some sick, twisted way, is like a trade. Their son for a thousand galleons. And I'm sure if given the opportunity to do it in reverse, they would give everything to have their son back. Yeah. So it's it's not even, it's not even a, a thing that they can consider. Well, and for Harry, I would think he doesn't want to keep the money because of everything attached to it because it again it costs cedric yes it's not it's not again for harry it's not something that he it, it's similar yeah. it's it's very similar obviously it's different because like it's a parent yeah. versus someone who is like friend potential yeah because they're friendly i would say i would say they're friends i would say they're friends even though harry dislikes him immensely because of cho chang cho chang harry respects him he respects Harry. There, 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 there's like a seed of friendship there. Yeah. If 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 there wasn't that teenage rivalry over Cho, mm-hmm. I think they would have been friends. I think they, they, they share would footage have... in common. Mm-hmm. They share similar values. Yeah. They would have been friends. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's just the circumstances were not great. So he's trying to get rid of the money because he doesn't want it. He would wish anything to have Cedric back. She doesn't. His mom doesn't want to take the money because she doesn't want it. She would give anything to have Cedric back. If she even does it. Oh no, it's yours, dear. I couldn't. You keep it. Yeah. Like she, she can't even fathom taking the money. She backs away from him mm-hmm. when he offers it to her. <sighs> um, after Harry returns to Gryffindor Tower. Ron and Hermione tells him that Professor Dumbledore has instructed the school to avoid asking Harry any questions about the tournament. Uh, Harry, Ron, and Hermione reach their own... Um, how, do you, how do you pronounce it? Because I've always said it like weird in my head because I've never heard anyone actually pronounce what, it. What word? Say it a lot. Which word? After own. Um, avoid Harry. Tacit? Yeah. Okay. I was right then. I got, I've never heard anyone actually say it out loud. Oh my gosh. I watched a, I Oh no. 
I watched a... Well, yes. <laughs> it's similar to that. Okay. So, first I have to tell you, when I was in college the first time, one of my friends had never actually said the word mm-hmm. tarantula out loud. Tarantula. And she, we were talking about something, and she was like, oh, yeah, the tarantula. Okay. I'm like, oh, okay. no. Oh, no. But I was watching a TikTok recently, mm-hmm. and they're like, it was like, oh, no. Ew, is that a body? Oh, that's so nasty. That's so gross. And then someone off the video is like, I know, that's so grotesque. What? And the girl was like, I know, terrible. Wait a second. What what did you just say? Grotesque. Oh my gosh. It's like my wait a second. Like... Yeah. She's like, wait a second. Like, what are you trying to say? Nasty, despicable, disgusting. Did you mean grotesque? And the person off camera just... moving on. <laughs> <laughs> grotesque way. Yes. That's actually so fair. If you read it, and you've never heard it, and you just say it, like How I Met Your Mother with Chameleon. Yeah, it was a real architectural Chameleon. And they're like, do you mean chameleon? (laughs) (laughs) Oh, no. (gasps) So I understand. I understand (laughs) wanting to make sure, because Uh, there are some words that we just read. And yes. don't actually say out loud or here. Yes. They just agree to not discuss it. Yeah. Ron says his mother has invited Harry to stay at the burrow for the summer, but Dumbledore told her Harry must first spend time at Privet Drive and that well, m- Mrs. Weasley says that Dumbledore should like must have his reasons for it. So they agree. I just want to say this. Um, once Harry, once Dumbledore tells to leave, everyone to leave Harry alone... Um, most people, he noticed, were skirting him in the corridors, avoiding his eyes. Mm -hmm. Some whispered behind their hands as he passed. He guessed that many of them had believed Rita Skeeter's article about how disturbed (coughs) and possibly dangerous he was. Perhaps they were formulating their own theories about how Cedric had died. It's like, oh, man. So even though Dumbledore asked them to leave him alone... They're not really leaving him alone. They're doing their best, but they're still teenagers trying to figure out what happened. Yes. Okay. Sorry, my eye is really bothering me today. You cry too much. The only person Harry feels he can confide in is Hagrid, who is pleased to see him, Ron, and Hermione. Yeah. Uh, When Harry notices a second bucket-sized teacup on the table, Hagrid admits that Madame Maxine had been over. Yeah. She just left. Um, and Ron is like, y- you two have made up, have you? And he's like, don't know what you're talking about. Um, Hagrid tells Harry he knew Voldemort would eventually return, which he said in the first book. He did. He's like, he's I, I don't think, time. yeah, mm-hmm. I don't think he's gone. I just think he's biding his time. And that Harry did as much as his father would have. And there is no higher praise than that. Mm. Yeah. Harry smiles for the first time in days. Hagrid is unable to reveal anything about Dumbledore's mission, though Hagrid has nearly convinced Madame Maxine to join him. 
He jokingly invites a trio to visit the last group. I mean, if you pay attention to what Dumbledore had said, we know what Hagrid's mission is. Yeah. What he said to Fudge, and then... Let, let's put the two and two... Let's put the, the pieces there, and you guys can put two and two together. So he tells Fudge, the second, the second thing, thing you need to do is to send an envoy to the giants. Mm-hmm. And Fudge says, no, why would I communicate with giants? Mm-hmm. I, it'll cost me my office. My job. No, what are you talking about? And then he says, let's get Hagrid. Yeah, Hagrid. And if, and if she'll agree, Madame Maxime, to do something. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Hmm. We're not. We're not venturing into spoiler country right now. No, we're just not. putting no. the information out there for you guys in one space, so that you can decide for yourselves what's happening. And I'm just gesticulating a lot, and yes. I apologize. You're fine. They can't see it, and I'm not paying attention to you. So- How dare you? <laughs> How dare you? So, if for some reason. You can't put those together, and that's okay, because sometimes we're just tired. And right now, it should be a Friday, right? Yes. So then you're probably tired, because being an adult is exhausting. (laughs) You'll find out in half a book what we mean. Yes. So, uh, the leaving feast, I don't know what it was called, but it was like the end of term feast. The leaving feast. I think she's just calling it all different kinds of stuff. Okay. Is a sad effect because this is this isn't from the book, by the way. This is from the book. No, no, no. It actually says the Great Hall was normally decorated with the winning house colors for the leaving feast. So, okay. Uh, is a tonight, sad however, there were black drapes on the wall behind the teacher's table. Harry knew instantly that they were there as a mark of respect to Cedric. Mm-hmm. I hate it. Yep, Professor Karkaroff is still missing. But the real Alistair Moody is there, looking jumpy, and Professor Snape has returned from his mission. Harry remembers from the pensive that Professor Dumbledore told the Wizengamot that Snape became a spy at great personal risk before Voldemort's fall, and wonders what Snape's mission could have been. Dumbledore mm-hmm. rises to address the school, starting with a tribute to Cedric Diggory. I want to read that, because it's very, very powerful. Okay, it's on page 506 of the... Of the PDF. Getting there, getting there. I'll start okay. it. I gotta go. Oh, okay. Gotta go. Okay. Um, the end of another year. There is much that I would like to say to you all tonight, but I must first acknowledge the loss of a very fine person who should be sitting here, enjoying our feast with us. And he gestured towards the Hufflepuffs. <clears throat> yes. Um, I would like you all, please, to stand and raise your glasses to Cedric Diggory. They did it, all of them. The benches scraped as everyone in the hall stood and raised their goblets and echoed in one loud, one loud, low, rumbling voice. I want to read this part. Cedric Diggory. Oh, you want to do it? Yes, I want to read this this one part. Cedric was... No, I'll let you it's get to the good, good stuff. Cedric was a person who exemplified many of the qualities that distinguish Hufflepuff House. He was a good and loyal friend, a hard worker. He valued fair play. His death has affected you all, whether you knew him well or not. I think that you have the right, therefore, to know exactly how it came about. 
Cedric Diggory was murdered by Lord Voldemort. A panic whisper swept through the Great Hall. (laughs) I just wanted to say that because it was there. The Ministry of Magic does not wish for me to tell you this. It is possible that some of your parents will be horrified that I have done so, either because they will not believe that Lord Voldemort has returned, or because they think I should not tell you so, young as you are. It is my belief, however, that the truth is generally preferable to lies, and that any attempt to pretend that Cedric died as a result of an accident, or some sort of blunder of his own, is an insult to his memory. I'm getting emotional. There is somebody else who must be mentioned in connection with Cedric's death. I am talking, of course, about Harry Potter. And then, of course, a kind of ripple across the Great Hall as a few heads turned into Harry's direction before flickering back to Dumbledore. Harry Potter managed to escape Lord Voldemort. He risked his own life to return Cedric's body to Hogwarts. He showed, in every respect, the sort of bravery that few wizards have ever shown in facing Lord Voldemort, and for this I honor him. Mm. Dumbledore turned gravely to Harry and raised his goblet once more. Nearly everyone in the Great Hall followed suit. They murmured his name as they had murmured Cedric's and drank to him. But through a gap in the standing figures, Harry saw that Malfoy, Crab, Goyle, and many of the other Slytherins had remained defiantly in their seats their goblets untouched. Dumbledore, who after all possessed no magical eye, did not see them. I beg to differ. I'm sure Dumbledore knew that that's oh, what Dumbledore happened. Dumbledore, it, Dumbledore is essentially moody, but without the magical eye. Very little things get by Dumbledore. And you know what? Okay. Don't pay respects to Harry. If, if, if you are so out Well, I mean, their dads him. are Death Eaters, so whatever. Okay. But Cedric is innocent. Mm-hmm. Cedric has picked no side in the war. Well, that's Cedric why is everybody... That's why everybody... It says it everybody says everybody, but, but then it says their goblet's untouched, which makes me... I think it was more of a thing where it was like... It was more of like a... Um, sure, fine, I'll stand up. Perfunctory. Sure, I'll stand up because the headmaster told me to stand up for but that I'm one. Drink to I'm him. not gonna, I'm not gonna drink to him. It's fine, but with Harry Potter, they Refu- defiantly yeah. they refused. So in in my mind, they're 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 such despicable people. And that's why I think that's so unfair for Slytherin, because some of them surely are despicable people, but not the entire house. Yeah. So I don't. Okay. When everyone had once again resumed their seats, you know, those people who were actually standing up, Dumbledore continued, The Triwizard Tournament's aim was to further and promote magical understanding. In the light of what has happened of Lord Voldemort's return, such ties are more important than ever before. Every guest in this hall, his eyes lingered upon the Durmstrang students, will be welcomed back here at any time, should they wish to come. I say to you all once again, in the light of Lord Voldemort's return, we are only as strong as we are united, as weak as we are divided. Lord Voldemort's gift for spreading discord and enmity is um, is very great. We can fight it only by showing an equally strong bond of friendship and trust. Differences of habit and language are nothing at all if our aims are identical and our hearts are open. 
It is my belief, and never have I hoped so that I am mistaken, that we are all facing dark and difficult times. Some of you in this hall have already suffered, suffered directly at the hands of Lord Voldemort. Many of your families have been torn asunder. A week ago, a student was taken from our midst. Remember, Cedric. Remember, if the time should come when you have to make a choice between what is right oh, and what is easy, remember what happened to a boy who was good and kind and brave because he strayed across the path of Lord Voldemort. Remember, Cedric Diggory. I'm going to cry, <laughs> no, man. It's, it's, I'm sorry for the story. It is literally such a like a powerful emotional moment. Oh, man. I'm that person who cries reading books and laughs reading books. So imagine I've read this a million times. And it's still, to this day, I'm like, oh, I can't do it. I can't do it. <sighs> okay, so Harry's trunk is packed. They're getting ready to leave because I need to change the subject so that we can continue. <laughs> or else we're going to try. Yeah. Okay. Um, they're leaving. As Harry, Ron, and Hermione prepare to leave Hogwarts the next yes. day, Floor runs up to bid Harry goodbye. Um, when she says she's hoping to get a job in England to improve her English, Ron responds that it is very good already, causing Hermione to scowl. Remember, Hermione, she's part Vila. It's not all Ron's fault for being a big old blithering dum-dum. True. Ron wonders how the Durmstrang students can return without Karkaroff, but Crumb, overhearing, explains that the students sit, uh, sail the ship. Uh, Crumb asks Hermione for a private word before bidding everyone farewell. Of course Karkaroff didn't sail the ship. Karkaroff did nothing. Useless. Okay. Yeah, like, they're good. Oh, and poor Durmstrang. Now they're going to have to look for another headmaster. Uh, I know Karkaroff isn't much of a loss in that area. Mm. We actually talked about it in our Magical Schools episode where... A lot of students were mistreated mm-hmm. and basically their, their parents pulled them out of school and sent them elsewhere because of the way that he ran the school. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, no big loss there. But in times of war, because that's, let's be really honest, that's what's about to happen. A magical war. Um, one person who goes missing is a big deal. Because we know that it means other people will go missing. Well, also, we there's a little moment where Crumb says, like, he liked Diggory. Yeah. That he was always polite to him, always, even though he's from Dermsheng with Karkarov. And they talk about, you know, Headmaster, and Ron finally, you know, gets over his hatred of Crumb and asks him for an autograph. <laughs> yeah. Um... And, you know, they, they go, go back to, to, they start heading back towards the Hogwarts Express to take them to King's Cross. I'm sorry, I'm still emotional and I'm trying to get over it and mm-hmm. continue because it's like, dang, it was supposed to be a year of international magical cooperation and friendship. And it turned into 
all of them essentially trauma bonding. Yep. So on the Hogwarts Express, Harry finally shares what happened with Ron and Hermione. Hermione uh, then shows Harry the Daily Prophet, and the only thing that has to do with Harry is that he won the tournament. Yeah, it didn't even mention Cedric. Nothing about any of it. If And he says, if you ask me, Fudge is forcing them to keep quiet. And Harry says, he'll never keep Rita quiet. Not a story like this. <laughs> and Hermione says, oh, Rita hasn't written anything at all since the third task. As a matter of fact, she added, her voice now trembling slightly. Rita Skeeter isn't going to be writing anything at all for a while. Not unless she wants me to spill the beans on her. Mm-hmm. And Ron's like, what are you talking about? I found out how she was listening in on private conversations when she wasn't supposed to be on the ground. On the grounds. And Harry's like, how was she doing it? Ron's like, how did you find out? Precisely by not being on the ground. Exactly. And she says, well, it was you really who gave me the idea, Harry. Did I? How? Bugging. But you said they didn't work. Oh, not electric bugs. No, you see, Rita Skeeter is an unregistered anim- animagus, animagus. We go through this every time. I know. She animagus. can turn into a beetle. You're kidding. You haven't. She's not. Oh, yes, she is. And she shows a jar at them. The glass sealed jar that was in her bag. Oh, yes, she is. That's never. You're kidding. No, I'm not. I caught her on the windowsill in the hospital wing. Look very closely and you'll notice the markings around her antennae are exactly like those foul glasses she wears. So that was the noise that Hermione was making. She caught Beetle Skeeter and poor Rita Skeeter is now in a glass jar. And I say poor very loosely. Very, very loosely. Yeah, I'm kind of of the mind that Rita Skeeter deserves to be in that glass jar. Especially with her hand in helping Fudge believe that he's okay in saying that Harry is a loose cannon and they shouldn't be believed. Yeah. Yeah. I think that someone should just slip those air holes. I'm just saying. And then it starts clicking for all of them. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, caught her on... On the windowsill of the hospital wing. That's why she made that noise. Um, There was a beetle on the statue the night we heard Hagrid telling Madame Maxine about his mom. And the buzzing outside the window. Mm -hmm. The divination. Exactly. And Victor pulled the beetle out of my hair after we had had our conversation by the lake. And unless I'm very much mistaken, Rita was perched on the windowsill of the divination class the day your scar hurt. She was buzzing around for stories all year. Literally buzzing. I swear Hermione is so punny. My thing is, how dangerous is that though? Because there are people who go, they'll bug and squish. Oh, I would have. Like she Crumb. Crumb just like, and yeah. cross. Like, I don't know. I don't know. Um, when we saw Malfoy under the tree, Ron said slowly, 
he was talking to her in his hand. He knew, of course, that's how she's been getting all those nice little interviews with the Slytherins. They wouldn't care that she was doing something illegal as long as they were giving her horrible stuff, as long as they were giving her horrible stuff about us and Hagrid. Um, Hermione took the glass jar back from Ron and smiled at the beetle, which of course buzzed angrily against the glass. Mm -hmm. And she's like, I've told her I'll let her out when we get back to London. I've put an unbreakable charm on the jar, you see, so she can't transform. And I told her she's to keep her quill to herself for a whole year. See if she can't break the habit of writing horrible lies about people. And Hermione smiles. Yep. <laughs> Draco suddenly barges in, telling Harry he has picked the wrong side. Voldemort is back, and Cedric is only the first to die. So, it starts with, very clever, Granger. So, you caught some pathetic reporter and Potter's Dumbledore's favorite boy again. Big deal. He smirks, and Crabbe and Goyle are there, and they leer. And he says... Trying not to think about it, are we? Said Malfoy, trying to, pre to pretend it hasn't happened. And Harry just says, get out. I imagine he's fuming, but it just says, get out, said Harry. You've picked the losing side, Potter. I warned you. And he did, first year. Mm -hmm. I told you, you ought to choose your company more carefully. Remember when we met on the train first year at Hogwarts? I told you not to hang around with riffraff like this. And he jerks his head towards Ron and Hermione. Too late now, Potter. They'll be the first to go now. Oh, they'll be the first to go now that the Dark Lord's back. Mudbloods and muggle lovers first. Well, second. Diggory was the f... And it was as though someone had exploded a box of fireworks within the compartment. Blinded by the blaze of spells that had blasted from every direction. Deafened by a series of bangs, Harry blinked and looked down at the floor. Malfoy, Crabbe, and Goyle were all lying unconscious in the doorway. He, Ron, and Hermione were on their feet, all three of them having used a different hex. <laughs> I mm -hmm. love it. Nor were love they it. the only ones to have done so. Mm-hmm. Um, thought we'd see uh, those three... Uh, thought, thought we'd see what those three were up to, said Fred matter-of-factly, stepping onto Goyle uh, into the compartment... He had his wand out, and so did George, who was careful to tread on Malfoy as he followed Fred inside. Interesting effect, said George, looking down at Crab. Who used the fununculus curse? Me, said Harry. Odd, said Fred George lightly. I used jelly legs. Looks like uh, those two shouldn't be mixed. He seems to have sprouted little tentacles all over his face. <laughs> well, let's not leave them here. They don't add much to the decor. Ron, Harry, and George kicked, rolled, and pushed the unconscious Malfoy, Crabbe, and Goyle, each of whom looked distinctly the worse um, for the jumble of jinxes with which they had been hit out into the corridor, then came back into the compartment and rolled the door shut. So, Exploding snaps, anyone? Yeah. So then we get back to a storyline that we haven't heard of in a while, and um, Harry asks George... You going to tell us then who you were blackmailing? Oh, that. Well, it turns out that it was. Drum roll, please. Ludo Bagman. Ludo Bagman. 
So basically, Ludo Bagman has an issue with gambling, and he took out a loan. He t- he's taken out loans from goblins, which are the goblins who were stalking him at the um, Three Room Six. And goblins will always get their money. Yes. And um, what happened is the bets that he took at the Quidditch World Cup, he paid out the winners with uh, leprechaun gold. And we all know that leprechaun gold disappears after a while. So they they con- because they contacted him again thinking that, you know, it might have been a mistake. Mm-hmm. But it was a mistake. No, no, it wasn't. He just kept ducking and dodging them to not pay them. But, yeah. Yeah. And the reason why he was trying to help Harry throughout the tournament is that he had actually placed a bet on Harry to win. But yeah. the goblins wouldn't pay out because technically Harry didn't win. It was a tie. Mm-hmm. And Bagman was betting that Harry would win outright. So Bagman had to run for it. Yep. So they're about to leave. And uh, Harry pulls them aside, the twins, mm-hmm. and offers them the Triwizard winnings so they can start their joke shop. And you have to remember, again, the Weasleys are fairly uh, economically disadvantaged. They're poor. So mm-hmm. a thousand galleons is a lot of money, number one. And number two... They're trying to start a joke shop. That money is going to help them out so much. Research and development, product placement, production. Actually making them, yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, so they, they, you know, are telling him, like, he's mental. And he's like, no, like, I'm going to just flush it down the drain if you guys don't take it. And, like, I, I don't want need- it. Uh, yeah, yeah. I, and I would rather a few laughs. I think we all need a few laughs, especially now. Like, and he's I like, have a feeling we're going to need them before long. Yeah, he's like, think of how many canary creams that is. Just don't tell your mom where you got it. Not that she probably wants them working at the ministry anymore anyway. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, again, they try to, like, argue with him. And he, and Harry he says, pulled out his wand. I'll hex you. <laughs> I know some good ones now. Just do me one favor, okay? Buy Ron some different dress robes and say they're from you. Um, I'll just read this because it's the yeah. end. Um, he left the compartment before they could say another word, um, stepping over Malfoy, Crabbe, and Goyle, who were still lying on the floor covered in hex marks. Uncle Vernon was waiting beyond the barrier. Mrs. Weasley was close by him. She hugged Harry very tightly when she saw him and whispered into his ear, I think Dumbledore will let you come to us later in the summer. Keep in touch, Harry. See you, Harry, said Ron, clapping him on the back. Bye, Harry, said Hermione, and she did something she had never done before and kissed him on the cheek. Harry, thanks, George muttered, while Fred nodded fervently at his side. Harry winked at them, turned to Uncle Vernon, and followed him silently from the station. There was no point worrying yet, he told himself, as he got into the back of the Dursley's car. As Haggard had said, what would come, would come, and you'd have to meet it when it did. <sighs> um, and that's the end of that book? Yeah. Next is the, the movie comparison. Yeah. I just, I feel, I feel like 
so emotional over this book because so much happened and they grew all of our favorite characters and least favorite characters grew so much in this book and like the the overarching storyline was expounded upon yeah and it's it's just gonna it's gonna explode it's going to explode it's already exploded it's going to continue exploding yeah. Yeah. Your computer did something. No, that's the Alexa means that something got delivered. Okay. My, my pillow stuff. Yeah. Anyway. I, it's just crazy. I mean, so the whole thing for Harry Potter is like it starts with murder, basically. Mm-hmm. The murder of Lily and James and Harry becoming an orphan and all that stuff. But and that's we don't have to the end of the first wizarding war. Yeah, but we don't have to deal with it. We don't have to confront it. It's something because that it's we're told. We don't yeah. see it. But then in this, like, and we haven't seen actual, like, anyone be murdered until this point. And how cold-blooded it is, how quick it is, how efficient it is, how, like, wrong it is. How people, how people doing evil deeds... Don't think twice about committing evil acts. They literally just do it. Yeah. You know, we saw it with... We saw it with Barty Crouch Sr. Mm -hmm. When he literally just sent his kid to Azkaban. Even though his kid was swearing up and down that he wasn't involved. You know, a, a good parent would have listened. A good parent would have tried to understand all sides, but Barty Crouch Sr. wasn't a good parent. He he was a bad parent who literally saw his son turn into an evildoer, and as an evildoer needed to be punished. Well, And it set all of these other things in motion. He wasn't wrong. Not to take away from that statement, but what if they had just completely conclusive evidence that there's just no way to fight? There's but no way to argue. But they didn't say they did. They didn't say it, but who's to say that they did? That they didn't, rather? But they didn't say it. If they had shown conclusive evidence, then he was absolutely right in coming up with, with a sentence that would be justified. Whether that was life imprisonment in Azkaban or something else, I'm not one to say. But he literally didn't have, didn't tell us as the reader that there was evidence. It literally said he was accused of wrongdoing and his father sent him to Azkaban without a trial. Okay, so let's, let's stop right now then and say this. What if a murderer is, is taken to court... Mm-hmm. And he goes, your boyfriend, yours, is also a murderer. Are you going to believe his word just because he said so? No, but I want but to hear the evidence. Exactly. Yes. There was no investigation in the book, though, that's, that uh, we heard of. That's the thing. I don't think that he would condemn his son just because a murderer said he's a murderer. I think that there there no, have to but be you're conflating evidence. you're conflating two things. Yes, you're conflating Karkaroff's testimony mm-hmm. with the next the next memory we saw, mm-hmm. which was 
the the um what's her name the yes. Lestranges yes and Barty Crouch Jr. Mm-hmm. being brought in yes they're not necessarily intertwined one led to the other but I'm saying there would but not necessarily. We don't know all of the inner workings of what happened we don't. in between those two scenes. But, so we can only go off of the information we have. Mm-hmm. The information we have is what's his face? Karkaroff mm. gave testimony. Yes. And now I'm going to look it up. Karkaroff gave testimony, right? Yes. So the testimony that Karkaroff gave led to additional people being looked into. Which right? nothing nothing mattered until it was Barbie Crouch Jr. Yes, I'm looking for it in the book right now. Mm-hmm. Because we need to talk about it. But what I'm saying, but what you're saying is that we're not made aware of any investigation, but there would have to be inv- investigation because Barty Crouch Jr. was pulled in with the Lestranges, who they, they worked together, obviously, so they, they connected the dots... So there has to be something that we're not aware of. What was skipped was the trial for them to defend themselves. I'm, I'm reading. Okay. We'll wait, I guess. It says... People, please. Why? Why do people do that? Compensation. Yeah, pretty much. Little John. Oh, goodness. Okay. Mm-hmm. So he says... Ludo Bagman... So he says, very well, Karkaroff, if that's all you have, because he says Rookwood, Augustus Rookwood... And he says, we're fine. We got him. Most, Travers and Mulciver. And then he says, not yet. And he names Snape. And Dumbledore is like, oh no, I vouched for him. Uh, very well, Karkaroff. You have been made, you have been of assistance. And then that fades. So you're conflating what happened in the book with what happened in the movie. True. So it didn't happen that way. Okay, Literally, fair enough, fair enough, yeah, it. and then we get the next memory, which is Ludo Bagman mm-hmm. saying, "I didn't know. I'm sorry, um, my okay, bad." Okay, but that, that still holds to the fact that he did some kind of investigation. The only thing that he d- decided to forego was the trial. There was evidence that his son did some kind of wrongdoing that it was dissolved, associated with the It dissolved, it came back, bring them in, and mm-hmm. the doors opened, six Dementors entered, this time flanking four people. Mm-hmm. You've been brought here before the Council of Magical Law so that we may pass judgment on you for a crime so heinous. And he just keeps saying, Father, Father, please! Mm-hmm. That we have barely heard of, heard the like of within this court. Uh, we have heard the evidence against you. Okay, so there was evidence. Before See? you stand accused of capturing an Auror, Frank Longbottom, and subjecting him to the Cruciatus Curse, believing him to be knowledge of, to have knowledge of the present whereabouts of your exiled master, he who must not be named. Father, I didn't, I didn't, I swear. Father, don't send me back to the Dementors. Okay. 
So yes, there was, I don't know what length of investigation there was because the R's usually just capture people. So if they captured them because they were, they were crucioing the, the long bottoms, mm -hmm. did they catch them in the act? Was was a tip made that sent them to where it was happening? The thing, like, well, if they I were assume, caught in the act, they're just going to be like, boom, Azkaban. You know? So what I assume happened is it doesn't even matter. There has to, there has, there had to have been enough evidence for Barty Crouch Jr. to see it and go, "There's no way, there's no way they can deny this." Because that is his son, that is his pride. The kid who got what is it, like thirteen owls while he was at Hogwarts, something like that. Yeah, exemplary student. Well, exemplary student or not, if you're caught torturing someone. Yeah, if there's evidence that you tortured someone to try and bring back the most evil, powerful wizard of all time, to try to try to accomplish that, I'm sorry, but like, what use is there in a trial? For you to deny it up and down while we have conclusive evidence? I don't know. I feel like I wish we had seen a little bit more. Oh, yeah. I wish I wish it was definitely like expanded upon so we could, like... Un because of what we're told is that Barty Crouch Sr. is an uncaring man from Sirius because... Oh, see how he treats uh, his, um, his lessers, not his equals or whatever... And, oh, yeah, well, for me, he didn't even give me a trial. He sent me straight to Azkaban, where it was like, but they have The evidence them, overwhelmingly looked like he had committed a so crime. So what is the point in a trial for you to deny it and then still have this evidence that you cannot refute? Yeah, I guess. So I don't think that he's as cold-blooded as we make him out to be. He cared enough about his son, about his wife, rather, we'll say, to take his son out of prison to let her die alone for her dying wish. So that her son could not be in prison. So he could have some semblance of freedom. I don't think he's as cold-blooded as the book makes him out to be because of what's in the book. Because of the things in between the lines. Yeah. I don't think he's that bad. Is he bad? Yes. He made bad choices. Yes. He made very poor choices. Mm -hmm. I just... His poor choices they, they essentially accumulated. led to his son joining the dark side. Like, for for lack of a better word. You, you, never, know? you never know. Like, what if his son was just really ambitious and didn't know... How to do it? He didn't want to father follow in his father's footsteps. He doesn't but there's want a difference between machine, not but... following in your father's footsteps and going completely against everything that you were taught and becoming something that ends up having to be sent to the worst prison ever. I agree. It's just people are different. There has to be a, some a line somewhere where you're like. Okay, I don't necessarily have to be the baddest of all baddies, but I don't have to be the goodest of all goodies either. Well, I mean, power... Power corrupts. And absolute power corrupts, absolutely. I understand that. However... I mean, even look at War of the Rings. The elves 
were corrupted by the power of the rings that were forged for them. Like, and they're like pure beings. Like, it is what it is. I think that there was some event in Barney Crouch Jr.'s life that turned him in that direction. I mean... Yes, but I'm, I'm I think that that issue was exacerbated by the fact that his dad was a douche. Yeah, his, his dad was surely a douche. Who only I was going to say something worse, but I, I said the least mm-hmm. offensive thing I could think of. I think that it's so easy to be lulled into like a sense of of like camaraderie or sharing when it comes to Voldemort. If you remember, if you, uh, you guys, by the way, check out YouTube. There is a um, uh, a fan made like little short. Uh, I think it's called the Marauders. That's why no, there's a it's a R maybe the Marauders. We'll watch it later. Uh, Severus Snape and the Marauders, okay. and there is a scene at the end. It's a little bit of a spoiler, but like you should just check out the you should check out the whole thing. The end isn't the payoff. The payoff is the entire thing. A little bit of a spoiler. Mm-hmm. Be careful. Why? It's, it's a friend. It's a fan made thing. There's no like oh, okay. actual thing. It's Voldemort actually goes to a bar and recruits Snape. Well, that's what he, that's. It, it makes sense that that's what they would say because he. They fear you for your talents. So what ends up happening? What we see. Have we seen it yet? No, we haven't. So I can't say it. It makes sense based off of what happens later. Ooh. Ooh. Excuse me. Bless you. That sneeze got me. Ooh, no. No, 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 no. He's creepy. Stop it. Well, he, well, Snape looks at him and goes, who are you? And he looks at him and his eyes are like like a snake's pupils, like the, mm-hmm. the, 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 the slit. Yeah. And he goes, you know who? No, it's really good. It's, it's definitely a, a watch. So, Severus Snape and the Marauders. Check it out if you can. Um, I mentioned it in a previous episode where I watched the Murder Mystery and Makeup Mondays with Bailey Sarian. Yes. And she talks about, you know, how all of these murderers, for the most part, and I have to say for the most part, for my next part, for my next point, for the most part, they have traumatic childhoods that... One thing after another leads them to be the murdering jerks that they are. Yeah. And she says it not to try to instill a a sense of sympathy for murderers, but more like if we understand where they come from and what leads to this kind of behavior being acceptable in their minds, maybe we can stop the next Jeffrey Dahmer. Maybe we can stop the next Ted Bundy. Maybe we can stop the next BTK killer. You know? Mm -hmm. Um, But I actually watched one where she said somebody who, like, filleted people um, had the perfect childhood. Grew up in a happy, loving home. And just started exhibiting signs of a sociopath Mm -hmm. you know tortured animals and whatnot but nothing led him to that that was just who he was yeah um this one i think i can bring up from chicago med and i have to edit out 
Okay. There's a similar thing where there was a child who, like... I've seen that one. I know exactly which one you're talking about. He, like... His, his little brother comes in because he has, like, a broken arm or wrist or something. And it turns out that... He's, he, he's the one who's been hurting him or leading him to be hurt. And then and it's found out... And not for any other reason but other than that's yeah. how he that's is. That's just how he is. Yeah, um... What happens that that it's discovered by the psychiatrist, the, the the head of psychiatry for the emergency department, is the kid wanders away from the room and goes to one that has blood on the floor and all that stuff because someone has been injured and they're being treated. Yeah, and he starts like fumbling with things, messing with things, and the the, the head of psychiatry comes and sees him and doesn't say anything, just watches him, and the kid picks something up and pockets it, mm-hmm. and he goes. Hey, like, what are you doing? And he's like, oh, sorry, um, I just got bored, so I just, just wanted to see what was happening around. Yeah, and, it, and, and it's not for boredom's sake, it's for nefarious reasons. And he, he's basically yes. picking up the trophy of someone who's, like, maybe dead. And the, 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 the doctor's like, hey, so, like, what, what did you, what, did you grab anything? He's like, no, oh, I thought I saw something in your hand. Oh, yeah, the button, I was going to. Give it back to her. It's covered in her blood, by the way, like the mm-hmm. woman. Yeah. I was going to give it back to her, give it to a nurse to give we, to her. We may need to put a trigger warning at the beginning little of this. A little bit, yeah, yeah. yeah. A little, small trigger warning. Yeah. Um, and then the head of psychiatry is like, hey, so what do you want to be when you're older? And the kid responds immediately, doctor. And he's like, why? Knives. And the doctor's like, what? Oh, so I can save people. Yeah, no, that's not what Because he let said. the mask slip. Yeah. And then... Um, the kid leaves, and then his brother, like, has, a, a, like, a, like something happens to his brother, mm-hmm. and they all rush to the room, and his little brother is so scared of being alone with him that it he has a physiological response. His, I know, I remember. His, his statistics, his blood pressure, everything starts to plummet when they're in the room by themselves together. Mm-hmm. I think we might want to... Edit most of this out. No, no. I think it's a, it's an interesting thing to think about is that it's not always just your upbringing. Sometimes it's just your nature. Yes. And so maybe, may, I think for in the example of Barty Crouch Jr., I think some of it is his makeup, obviously, because how can you so go from is, the is, baddest, it. from being in a household where good is prized, good and order is prized, and you're smart, and you do well, how do you go from that to working for the Dark Lord to try to basically upend all of the magical existence as you know it and subjugate humans and muggle-borns and, you know, kill them off? Mm -hmm. How do you go from that to that? Why? How? I think it's a combination of having a propensity to not do good things Mm -hmm. coupled with not being cared about. And well, being ignored and being not loved. How about this? What if your example of someone who is good is his dad who it's sentences these people yeah. to life in prison versus someone who is just like, I want everyone who is worthy to be on equal playing ground, which is what Voldemort's whole thing was. If you're yeah, pure but he blood, said if you, the if worthy pure people blood, are only pure blood. Yeah, he's pure blood. Which is funny because Voldemort isn't even pure blood. Well, you have to pick a you have to pick a stance on a, a small group of people 
who have strong emotions and then utilize those strong emotions. Yes, but at least take a stance of something you represent. Like, Hitler was did the same thing. He took a stance, but he technically wasn't Aryan. He was talking about people who were blonde hair and blue eyed and Hitler had black hair mm-hmm. and brown eyes. Yeah. So Again, essentially in his utopia episode, by the way. Yeah, so essentially in his utopia, he wasn't included. Yeah. So in Voldemort's utopia, he wasn't included. Well he decided like I said, he decided to pick the people who were um you know, the, the Germans who were suffering from the Treaty of Versailles mm-hmm. from World War One take advantage of that. That Well, maybe y'all shouldn't have been jerks. I'm just... <laughs> I just I'm, they were suffering because they were jerks. And that's no offense to German people. No. It's just... It's it, just... Germans, we love you. Yeah. We understand that you have a pro- problematic past. In the United States, we too have a problematic past. Oh, very problematic. Yes. And very problematic present. current. Yeah. Present. So we understand. We understand and we love you. But I'm saying there are certain reasons why treaties and things are made. If you're well, a the jerk. The treaty side was so completely biased against the oh, people. Oh, absolutely. It was insane. Yeah. But there's a reason why laws are created. There's mm-hmm. a reason why things are done to try to prevent the, the underlying feeling. Mm-hmm. Whether or not it's accomplished appropriately is besides the point. But the underlying feeling is, let's not have this happen again. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. So. But by being too harsh on the German populace in the country, they created the... Um, the perfect environment for somebody for like that, Hitler that, to that, come to power. Exactly, exactly. And that's what I'm saying is that Hitler took advantage of those people and their, their strong emotions to do what he did which is exactly what Voldemort is doing he has nothing to, he's not pure blood but why not use that that platform and, and that group that, of people and that group of people to accomplish what he wants accomplished yes and I get that I'm just saying do better be better people dang <laughs> true like it just comes down to that like there shouldn't be an issue with with people and divisions and like we're more alike than we are different. True. Cut it out. Be good. Tang. Okay, so next episode is going to be the comparison. Uh, our our book and movie comparisons always take like two or three episodes. True. So the next few episodes, <laughs> at least, will be book movie comparison. Yes. Okay. Okay, hope Be better you guys people. have fun. And remember, go watch Severus Snape and the Marauders by Broad Strokes. It's very good. And we we don't we don't try to instill compassion for bad people. However, if we know what may what certain events can lead to a person going from good to bad, maybe we should help them not have those events. You know what? How about this? If you see a sad children, give them a bottle of water and a snack. They'll be fine. Yeah. And pet them. They might be a little scaly at first, but they deserve love too. True. Not actual snakes, though. And also don't touch without consent. Okay, bye! Yes. Okay, bye! <laughs>